I'm your host, David Frost. This is my strategic forecast where you get common sense market analysis. Today is Friday, January 24, 2020. So this will be a weekend video for the week ending January 24, 2020. We were looking for a turn the week of January 20, 2020. At the end of the week, maybe we got the turn. We can call today's candle a reversal candle. It had some volume. It was at least up above the average 90-day volume, which was about 59 million shares. You see it at the bottom. The black line represents the average 90-day volume. Today's volume, 81 and change million shares. So, they're pointed down at the 20-period moving average. We made a high this week. We made an attempt to make a higher high, although we had a gap in crap, which certainly is one of the things that we look for in a market turn or for a turning point. Now, a few weeks ago, I gave you the week of January 20th, and I said I had a reason why. I said it had to do with numbers. There are a lot of numbers that come through the market in a lot of different reasons, a lot of different ways, a lot of different numbers. You can go crazy thinking about the numbers. Some of you have already figured that out. However, I'm going to give you the thing that I was looking at that I figured if price and time converged in this way on that number, we may be on to something. That's why I picked out the week of January 20th. So now I'm going to explain where it came from. Before I say exactly where it came from, you have to understand a little bit of the context of what I'm thinking about at times. Sometimes it's pretty easy to pick out a resistance area or a support zone. Under normal garden variety conditions, the market should do a certain thing at a certain price because of a certain reason from a technical perspective. We know all that stuff. But here we are at new highs. The market's going crazy. It's a runaway bull market. We have all those things. Higher price targets are coming out of the woodwork from analysts all across Wall Street. And here I come over the top saying we're looking for a top. So I'm the only one or maybe one of like two or three people in the world that might have been looking for a top. Now, did we have a top? Well, it looks like a top might have been put in. It smells like a top. It's kind of like one of those duck situations. If it walks like a duck, talks like a duck, it's generally going to be a duck. Now, it wasn't a bloodbath or anything like that. And we do have to consider that we're still above all the moving averages. The market is still in an uptrend. We can have a snapback Monday morning and everybody will forget about the down day on Friday. That could happen. It's happened before. It's an awareness. We have to be aware of what can happen. With the market, we expect the unexpected. But for now, we're going to go on the theme of, I was looking for a top. It looked like a top might have come in this week. Now I'm going to tell you why I was looking for a top. Those of you that have taken the course at Lazy E-Mini Trader understand that I revere certain numbers, certain movements that the market will make for a certain period of time and then mysteriously show you that it's going to reverse and then it all of a sudden does reverse. Doesn't happen every time, but again, we use the 80-20 rule. It happens the majority of the time. And when it isn't happening, you know where you're wrong and you know small and fast. 
That's the foundation of what's discussed and taught, at least in part, in the entire course Lazy E-Mini Trader. Then there's things that go beyond what's taught in that course. How did I find out, how did I assume that it was going to be the week of January 20th? This is where, and I discuss it in the course, it's part science, part art form, this whole thing. Technical analysis is part art, part science. What I'm going to discuss next is really part art, because what I'm doing is I'm looking around the horn. I'm looking at all things market-related. I'm looking at the Dow. I'm looking at the S&P. I'm looking at the NASDAQ. I'm looking at the IWM. I'm looking at monthly charts. I'm looking at daily charts, weekly charts. I'm looking at charts that you've never even heard of. And one day, a few weeks ago, I'm just sitting there staring at charts. I do that all the time. I just sit there and I stare and I watch and I look and I count and I look and I draw lines and I look and I count and I stare. All time frames, every time frame there is. I look at them all. What you get from me is what I've determined to be the best stuff The stuff that doesn't work as good, I discard. I throw it away. I don't watch it anymore. So what I'm doing is I'm whittling it down for the audience. Who's the audience? You're the audience. You're the traders. You're the traders that I'm trying to teach how to make money in the market. Gabish. So let's get back to the number. What was the number? Where did it come from? All right, let's go over to a weekly chart. Now, you can see a pretty important and distinct low which occurred last Christmas, the Christmas or December of 2018. Most of us, or all of us, remember the fall the market had into Christmas and then found a bottom, and we've never looked back since with a couple of minor hiccups along the way. So we know that's an important low. That's the baseline I was working off of. Something had to do with that important low. Now, We're a little more than a year removed from that low, but it's still around a year. So in my mind, a year is a pretty important span of time. But the market didn't turn on the year anniversary. So we use the year as a, it's about a year, but there has to be something else. There's something more. So I kept looking. And what I kept doing is I just run numbers. So one night, I happened to be looking at the S&P E-mini futures contract. So we go over to the ES contract. Now I'm staring at this chart. Now the weekly chart here looks completely different because this is a March contract. This is the continuous contract where it shows the low we just saw in the SPY. Doesn't matter which one we're looking at for this purpose. I was staring at the chart and I'm thinking in terms of big fat round numbers. Now if you think about when this was, it was a few weeks ago and we had gotten over 3,200. We were trading north of that Therefore, heading to 3,300. So I got out my trusty calculator and I just run numbers. And all of a sudden, I do this. I get out the calculator and I plug in 3,300 and I take a simple square root. And I come up with 57 and change. Okay, now what am I going to do with that information? I'm going to go back to my low from December of 2018 and I'm going to start counting weeks. Guess what the week of January 20th was? Week number 57. We'll see if it really turns out to be something extremely important. Did I uncover the golden ticket? I don't know. Maybe I did. Maybe I didn't. I've done that before with other type of numbers, other type of putting price and time together in ways people wouldn't normally think of. 
you have to look in corners where people aren't searching. So that was the thing. I said I would tell you what it was if it worked out to be, and we're not 100% sure just yet because we can certainly shoot up next week. We're all aware of that. But right now, on week 57, on the week of or beginning January 20th, the market has begun to reverse. We'll see if there's any follow-through. Next week, we'll tell the tale. Back to the SPY in the daily chart, we can certainly learn something from today. While the market was melting down, where was one of the obvious areas that the SPY would be heading? Well, let's put it like this. Yesterday, we already visited the low and we talked about it. That low was 329.45. Today, when they had the gap and crap, it was yesterday's low, which is basically one and the same. And if that didn't hold, what was the next logical area of garden variety support? The gap, 328.19. When you go down to a shorter time frame, you can see that the market came close, bounced away. And then when it comes down again, because it came close, they spiked through it by a little bit. And then they tried to find an assemblance of support, but they did essentially finish weak with a little bit of short covering into the closing bell. Inside the numbers, you have to be fluid when the market is fluid. You don't know there's going to be a gap in crap in the morning as the market appears to be gapping higher. You don't know it's a gap in crap until it's happening. You have to be able to adjust in real time. So we're talking about it early. We know the first area of support you can see down toward the bottom. You can start and stop the video at your leisure and read the notes if you like. And as we go up through the morning, you'll see as the morning got fluid, as the day got fluid, the notes were appropriate. We were pretty much on par. We had support. We had resistance. We had the important numbers. We knew what we were doing. Traders that wish to participate in the actual index itself, the ES or SPY with options, there are plenty of them out there. They were on board early with the gap in crap. We know what we're looking for. All these things are taught in the course Lazy E-Mini Trader. We teach signs and signal of a trend change. We teach what to look for. Where to identify all these things? What time frames do we look for? Not everybody's looking at the same stuff. We could both be looking at the same chart. I'm looking at one time frame. You're looking at a different, and we see two entirely different things going on in the market, two entirely different trades. And that, my friends, is exactly and precisely what makes a market. Let me just get the rest of the notes scrolled up, and then we will go back to the charts. We'll pick apart some charts. We'll understand where we are, what the likely or next likely scenario is going to be across the markets. We're going to look at all the markets that we look at. We're going to throw the ball around the horn, and we're going to compound our knowledge. Is this also considered a breakout area? Didn't the market gap up? We talked about it last night. We could have discussed, and we did discuss, two breakout areas. We talked about this area, right? Market gaps up, and that's where it found support the first time around. And then when it comes down again, it goes to the next breakout area, which happens to coincide with a gap, a 100-period moving average. You'll notice from the notes we were talking about that early, long before price got there, saying that it could spike through. We were identifying the fact that while 328.19 was in fact the gap, the 100 period moving average was below that. 
We had a round number of 328. So we expected price to come down below that. What was the low of day? Low of day 327.36. And that's where we got a rally, some short covering, but they still finished weak on the day. Here's a 240-minute chart. Now, that's another reversal candle. You have back-to-back big volume candles. The first one, which was the reversal, that's the big red candle. And then you have the next one with a tail candle going in the other direction, finding resistance right around the lows of the actual reversal candle, somewhere in the vicinity north of the gap. Now, we know the story. As long as they stay above the gap, they're semi-okay. I wouldn't call them bullish just yet, but they're somewhat okay. Trading below the gap is way more bearish, and that's what we were on the lookout or watching out for throughout the trading day. We know the routine above and below the gap. We expect a bounce at the gap using the 80-20 rule. Under normal garden variety market behavior, we're going to get a reaction at the gap. That's what we had today. They went a little bit lower, but we got the reaction at the gap. If you're in the trading business, you're in the risk business. If you're in the risk business, you're generally looking to take a trade in an area such as that. Even though it appears to be a falling knife, it's not really a falling knife when you look at it another way. The market, or any stock for that matter, is headed for a destination. Once they get to the destination, under normal garden variety conditions, they're going to turn around and go back the other way. You take your kid to school. What do you do? You go back the other way or you go on to work. You go to the store to get a loaf of bread. What do you do? You go back home. Sometimes you go over a friend's house and you meander around. You lose track of time. You end up hanging around over there. Then what are you doing? You're making a bearish pattern. Take notice of the 20-period moving average on the 240-minute chart. We're also below that. The first candle or the previous 240-minute candle closed below the 20 today, and then the second candle couldn't get back above the 20. I think that's an important development. It's a puzzle piece. It's on the table. How about the 120-minute chart? You have a 50-period moving average. Price came into its 50-period moving average, and that's where it found support. You can see why I look at all these charts all day long. I'm looking at a screen full of charts. They're all doing something. One of them, generally one of them that I look at, is getting to final destination, and it looks like it. The other ones, it might not look like it. You have to pick out the chart where it makes the most sense based on everything that's taught in the course at Lazy E-Mini Trader, which, by the way, is exactly what's taught in the course, which is learning the foundation of how the market really works. What's doing over in Camp IWM? So the IWM got a little thump today, but it came back a little bit. Didn't get to its 50-period moving average, but it came close to these lows over here. We know the IWM is my favorite market-leading indicator, And it has been ahead of the game. When we kept comparing and contrasting the IWM to the SPY chart, the point was the IWM made a high before the SPY made a high. We know that it's a leading indicator. It had to be a puzzle piece. It had to be on the table. Taking another view, let's look at a bull case for a moment. From a weekly chart perspective, is there anything wrong with this chart? Is there anything technically bearish about this chart? And the answer is, no, there isn't. Again, depends on what chart we're looking at. Doesn't mean the market won't go down next week, 
But when we look at this weekly chart, all we did was basically run a test and didn't even get to last week's low, but we're above all the moving averages, and we know the story. We were extended from home base. So what's it doing? Price, that is. It's eating time off the clock, allowing home base to creep up to price. That's one of the scenarios. If the market goes back and forth for a while, that's exactly what's going to be happening. You have to be an umpire, and you have to look at all charts, and you have to look at both sides of the market objectively. Check your bias at the door. Back to the daily chart. What's the likelihood that the IWM does not hit, or at least hit and surpass, the 50-period moving average? And from where I sit, the likelihood is in the 20% camp of the 80-20 rule. Let me explain what I'm looking at. Is that an important area? You bet it is. Let me explain for a moment. And we've done this many times before on different charts. It's always the same routine. Let me prove why this is important. So price runs up here and is rejected. I don't have it to the penny. Whatever the penny is, call it somewhere between 162.5 and 163. So price runs up here and is rejected. Then price shoots back up there, gaps up one day, and runs sideways, finally breaking out to the upside. So we know this is a breakout area. It's indisputable. What does price like to do? It likes to come back to test a former breakout area. Where have you ever heard that before? So, you have a 50-period moving average, and then right below it, less than a dollar below it, you have the breakout area. That's the spot. I'm not saying that has to be a stopping point for the market, but that's a spot where buyers will likely show up. Short-term or long-term buyers remains a mystery, but buyers will show up at minimum from an intraday perspective around that zone. Obviously, you have gaps below, and they're ultimately going to go get the gaps, but this is an important area. All right, now I'm going to show you something else. Maybe you've seen this before. Most of you probably haven't. Let's get rid of this line, and let's move over to something else. So we have the high of 2019. It was on 12.27, and the high was 167.12. So we've already eclipsed on the downside the 2019 high. Okay, fair enough. What's your point, Jack? Well, my point is this. Remember, the IWM is my favorite market-leading indicator. Where are we as it relates to the S&P 500? This is the high on the 27th, which was 323.80 in the SPY. We're nowhere near that number. This is the high right here, okay? We haven't come anywhere close to that high. So, couple of things. A, the IWM is ahead of the curve, and it should be. Why? Because it's my favorite market-leading indicator. Number two. Let's go back to the SPY for number two. Should there be support in and around the high from 2019, which was also a breakout area? Didn't the market chop around, banter back and forth? Didn't it settle into a chop shop formation before breaking out? Is this a breakout area? Yes, it is. Is the market going to come back down and test somewhere in this vicinity? Yes, it is. Will we pinpoint the number? Probably Inside the numbers, members will have the numbers. Speaking of numbers, let's throw a little short hop in for a second. I want to go back to the 57. A question comes up, what else you got? What kind of other stuff do you have just like this? I got a lot of stuff. I've been compiling this kind of stuff 
for decades. More so in the last decade than the first decade, as time goes on, your knowledge compounds, remember? Well, it's no different when you learn this stuff too. The more stuff you learn, the more stuff you discover. When you've heard me in the past say we're looking for a bottom, we're looking for a top, it's generally a combination of something like that and a host of other things. At new highs, we didn't have a lot of stuff. And also, don't start playing around with the square root of everything. It doesn't work like that. Anyway, back to business. So when and if, not really if, but when the market decides to finally retrace and get back down to that 323, 324 area or lower, it's going to find an assemblance of support in this zone. The 50-period moving average might be in that zone at that time. Remember, the flip side is the bulls aren't going to give it up that easy. We could easily wake up to one of those gap ups Sunday night. The market has a positive Monday and everybody forgets what happened on Friday. Doesn't mean it didn't happen, but those things tend to happen. We've seen them time and time again. How about the VIX? I'm going to show you something interesting. This is turning out to be some information packed video. You have to look high, wide and deep. You got to look everywhere in all corners. So you see the screaming move in the VIX today all the way up to 16. By the way, what happens around 12? What was the low here? 11.75, 11.78. What happens every time the VIX dips below 12? It's a buy. How many times have you heard me say that? But here's the thing. So it's a wild move in the VIX, but that's not really where I'm going with this. Where I'm going is something I was watching, something I was stalking. So I've been watching, and also some of you already know, happen to own VIX calls. So I have May expiration VIX in the actual index itself, the VIX calls. Now, I bought these calls out of the money. I'm looking for leverage with this play. I was early, so I'm underwater. Did I add to them this week? Of course I did. If I'm looking for a turn, why wouldn't I add to the VIX? That's common sense trading behavior. But here's the thing. Here's the actual contract that I have. And here's the thing. Look at the range today. The low was 285 and the high was three bucks. They didn't budge and the actual VIX was up over 20% at one point today. And the VIX futures contract or the options contract didn't budge. And the options is a futures contract any way you look at it. So I found that interesting. I'm thinking about that one. What it does tell me is I'm not going to be surprised to see a rally next week and early next week. Doesn't have to be a rally to new highs, but don't be surprised to see a rally early simply by way of the fact that these options didn't budge today. So in my mind, it's always the market's trying to tell you something. This VIX contract was trying to tell me something today. That's my takeaway. My takeaway is, I'm not calling today a one-day wonder, but what I am saying is, don't expect the trap door to open Monday morning. At least that's not what these VIX options contracts were saying. There's a lot of time between now and May. A lot can happen. A lot of points can happen in the market in both directions. We're in that zone where we're going to see large swings in both directions. What's doing down at the transportation department. We had that whacked out move yesterday off the lows and then back down today, but only a retracement of yesterday's move. So that's interesting. So you have to take that with a grain of salt. 
were above all the moving averages. So all they did today was retrace a part of the move, the total move, from yesterday. At the end of the day, slightly but relative strength against the SPY. Canary in the coal mine? Early rally Monday? We don't know yet, but I'm looking at all the charts and we derive as much information from as many charts as we can. We throw it all on the table, we mix it around, and we see if we can put together the puzzle. This is what I see in the transports. How about the cues? Reversal in the cues, same routine as the spiders. We have to wait. Again, we're high on the chart. It's in an uptrend. It's one day, but it is a reversal, and it was on more volume than the average, more than the recent volume. We have to take note. It's a puzzle piece. It's on the table. Nothing set in stone, but by the book, it is a reversal candle. How about the XLF? We know an important number in the XLF. We talked about it a couple of times at minimum. The number was about 30 and a quarter. What was the low today? If we move this over, you'll see today's low was $30.20, and then they rallied off that number. What was the significance of that number? That was a breakout area, also a breakup candle low. Guess what? The same thing occurs on chart after chart, market after market. All charts act and react the same way. If you want to learn how they work for real, then you have to take the course at Lazy E-Mini Trader. One more chart, good old smash mouth. Again, relative strength, a little bit of relative strength against the SPY. It's of note. It's a puzzle piece. It was a gap in crap. But again, we're high on the chart. We're in an uptrend. So you have to take this stuff one day at a time. We've seen this before. We've read this book before. We'll know it when we see it. Today, we saw the gap in crap. I'm going to give it a wrap here, folks, but before I do, let me just tell you how much I appreciate each and every one of you. Without you, these videos are not possible. I have a blast doing this stuff every single day with each and every one of you. I love going back and forth with Inside the Numbers members. We're having fun. A lot of you are making a lot of money, and that's the entire point. I'm giving it a wrap. I'm David Frost, my strategic forecast. Thanks for tuning in for another episode of Common Sense Market Analysis. My Strategic Forecast is hosted by David Frost. Subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite podcast app, and please visit MyStrategicForecast.com for more information. My Strategic Forecast is Common Sense Market Analysis. Music